We are continuing in our sermon series this Lent uh, in prayer, as you heard in the children's message, and, and I find in this time that it is in so many ways unique and strange and even difficult that in God's providence, what a good thing that we would be exploring prayer right now. I think people are hungry to lean into what it is to, to communicate with and know the living God, perhaps all the more, especially when we can't as readily or as easily or as naturally communicate and connect with one another in some of our most cherished ways. I am grateful for the First Presbyterian Church sewing group, Stitching Up Friendships, uh, who made uh, an incredible banner for today's service of worship. It's a visual interpretation of the passage I'm about to read and the theme of prayer as petition. I'm sorry that uh, we do not get to enjoy that together in person, though you can see it here in the backdrop, and it's also on the front of your bulletin cover. And I do invite you to uh, reflect on that beautiful, prayerful interpretation of this passage as you hear the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There have been so many beautiful expressions of music performed online in these recent days when we cannot be physically together, and it drew me to recall my introduction to music making. It was in the second grade that I began taking piano lessons on the piano my mother used when she was growing up. The thing was, I very much did not want to be taking those piano lessons. I did not like how hard my brain had to work to learn the black and the white keys, how extra hard my brain had to work to learn how to play the right hand and the left hand at the same time, but doing different things. I did not like how my playing hot crossed buns sounded so painfully different and boring than the music I heard on the radio. And I did not have the patience to wait for the day my fingers might play like the songs on the radio. And so I resisted. Every Wednesday afternoon as my piano lesson time came back around, I threw a temper tantrum. I made it known to my mom and to my brothers and quite frankly to our neighbors just how much I did not want to play the piano. At times I would fall at the front step of our front door in an exaggerated expressions of just how painful these piano lessons were to me. Other times I remember falling upon my bed, feigning the kind of illness the rigors of this piano playing was placing upon my body. 
Other times, I just plainly demanded the piano lessons cease. It was also over the top and dramatic and persistent. In these past couple of weeks, amid the close quarters with one another that I know is happening in some households, I am mindful of just how much persistence some parents may have experienced from younger children or older children. But here's the thing about persistent requests from children. Children are persistent precisely because they believe the parent has the power to do something. They genuinely trust that the parent can do something about the issue. And they persist, quite frankly, because they need help. They can't do the thing or get the thing or have the thing on their own. And while children ask all kinds of things, it is a child's full-hearted persistence, I think, that captures something quite close to the posture of prayer that Jesus invites of us in our passage this morning. Ask, and it will be given to you. In the literal translation of the Greek verb there is, is really keep on asking. The emphasis is on a, on a persistent, unrelenting request. Search and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. The same emphasis carries through those next two verbs. Keep on searching, keep on knocking. And those two verbs, of course, incorporate bodily movement. Searching usually involves the whole body in motion. Knocking at least involves the arm and the hand in some measure of force. Keep asking, and it will be given to you. Keep seeking, and you will find. Keep knocking, and the door will open to you. What is on your heart? Jesus makes it abundantly clear that he wants to respond, he wants to be found, he wants to open the door, he wants to partner with us. Jesus is not some unmoved mover, but Jesus is one who delights in the conversation, in the relationship, in the hearing of our aches, of our hurts, of our desires, and responding. I imagine many of you can share about a time when you prayed, perhaps prayed fervently and persistently, and God proved so faithfully generous in God's response. And maybe if a story comes to mind when you think about that, uh, maybe it's the kind of story you would share with someone else in your household today or, or maybe pick up the phone or send an email because those stories can be, be such an encouragement. They're, they're wonderful testimonies that keep our faith. I'm also mindful just how difficult this passage is for many. Who among us has not prayed for the healing of a loved one only to see sickness and death prevail, perhaps even quite painfully or unjustly or tragically? Who among us has not prayed for a friend's situation or our own situation, and yet it seems it just becomes one thing after another with that person or with us? Who among us has not prayed for justice to, to prevail amid devastating situations? We have let ourselves believe against every fiber of doubt that God will respond, God can respond, God is good, and so God will do something. And yet it seems evil prevails all the more readily in the face of some of those prayers. Not for all. 
but certainly for some, it can be very difficult to allow the soul to go before God and prayerfully and confidently ache for holy and beautiful things. Ache for our heart's desire, as Liz so beautifully put it. Because for some, we can name the times when we have prayed for wholesome and good and needful bread, and it sure feels like we got a stone. Or we have prayed for good fish, and it feels like we got a snake. Or we have prayed, and it seems we have received silence. And so risking honest, childlike, persistent prayer seems foolish at best and seems to be setting ourselves for untold hurt again at worst. Best just to murmur along with the mealtime prayers and the worship service prayers and otherwise stand at a distance with our hearts from whatever that's all about. Is seek, ask, knock a wonderful and needful invitation for us in these anxious and unknown times or, or is it a troubling invitation? Is it a difficult invitation? I want to offer two thoughts for those who have engaged in fervent prayer and found God's response befuddling or perhaps lacking altogether. Two thoughts, perhaps even to those who who really don't pray much, but in this time wonder a good bit how it is that God does respond to the aches and pains of this world for which so many do pray. Two thoughts. My first thought. My parents did not let me quit the piano until the fifth grade. It was not until then that I had worn them down enough to let me stop. That piano then remained largely silent for quite a number of years. Then in the early parts of 2019, I found myself with some frequency driving from Virginia, where we then lived, to North Carolina, where my mom and stepdad had just moved the year prior. I was regularly visiting and helping with my mom who had just been diagnosed with brain cancer. I would arrive to her house, I would open the door, and and there in that small living room sat that familiar piano. With my mom's condition, she really could only talk for so long without tiring, and, and so I'd often then go to the piano bench and I would play. Now again, I'd only played through the fifth grade and picked up a handful of lessons later as an adult, but all that only took me so far among the basics. But I had these four chords I had learned years ago, and I'd always especially liked how they sounded together. A, E, D, F sharp minor. And I could play these chords on my, with my right hand while I did arpeggios of those same chords in my left hand. In other words, I had learned to make just enough music to make an ongoing, sweet, melodic sound. And I would sit down and I'd play those four chords quickly, slowly, loudly, and softly. My mom would sit and smile and watch. She preferred it even to the radio. And I could tell that amid a great deal of pain, my piano playing was a sublime comfort to her. In my childhood, I thought surely nothing was more miserable or arduous or boring than having to learn to play the piano. Could I have ever anticipated my parents' refusal to let me quit was providing my hands just enough 
music, to give an unequaled gift so many years later. I wonder if at times we aren't the children asking, seeking, and knocking about this or about that, and it sure seems God's saying no. But what if sometimes God's apparent no is actually because God is birthing something far more beautiful and fulfilling than we could have ever asked for or imagined, but it just may be another year or 10 or 20 before we see it. Jesus says nothing about God's timing in our passage. He simply assures us that ours is an attentive, generous God who responds with truly good things. Can you recall a prayer from this past year or past decade or even last century? Can you recall a prayer lifted in one of those seasons with great fervency that that at the time certainly seemed a no, a closed door? I, for one, can testify firsthand that that the apparent no of today may well be part of tomorrow's music for which we never could have anticipated, and I wonder if you might have a similar testimony. That's my first thought regarding God's sometimes apparent lack of responding or hearing us. Here's my second thought. I realize that while we may understand God's timing's not our timing, all that is well and good, it still does not quite address the most painful places. The prayers where we prayed for a life or we prayed for lives. We prayed for, for life to be born or to make it or to overcome it or to be healed, and, and yet that life or those lives, they did not make it. I myself prayed openly for my mom's cancer to be healed. I actually began turning those four chords onto, in the piano into a wordless prayer. I didn't even know how to let my soul fully say, heal mom before God, but I trusted in what we read in the book of Romans. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. Those four chords were my soul sounding forth unto God. No words, full heart, Spirit always interceding with sighs too deep for words. One evening I stopped playing for a moment. My mom apologized for the fact that the piano had fallen out of tune, and it had. A few of the keys were were pretty rough, and it was noticeable. And through her broken phrases, she shared, once I get through these treatments, I'm going to get a a piano tuner in here, and I may just pick up lessons again myself. And so I eventually added words to my chord-filled prayer, I pray these, I would play these chords and sometimes I would quietly pray to God that God would get mom to a place where she would call a piano tuner in. And now that may sound like a funny prayer, but I thought to myself, if mom could get to a place where on her own she would call the piano tuner, that meant that her energy was being restored. Her outlook was positive. Her hope was full. If the piano ever got tuned by mom's initiative, that would be a sign of God's healing, which really was the root of the prayer. The moment never came. There were fervent prayers, and there was no healing. Except this. 
I noticed each time I went back to my mom's house and I sat at that piano, she had added another family photo or family photo albums on top of the piano. Increasingly, the piano had become a glorified shelf for family photos, even taking the spots where you might normally have music. And it made me think one evening late last year about the fact that during the 11 months my mom had cancer, our family had never been so close. Like most families, we have our histories, our distances, our lingering unspoken hurts and misunderstandings. But in the months where she was ill, we knew reconciliations with our mom and with one another. We shared a love with one another that was at times profound and vulnerable. To this day, we enjoy a different level of trust and love because we had known and have known a healing in those 11 months. Mom's tumor proved our family tuner. No, God did not give mom a tumor so as to heal our family. Our God does not work that way. Our God does not give bad things. Rather, somehow, through the awfulness of the tumor, God found a way to reconcile discordant relationships. I deeply lament that The piano, to this day, remains out of tune. And I do give thanks that the same cannot be said of the people whose pictures sit upon that piano. Does that explain why God did not heal my mom's cancer in the manner for which we prayed? No. Do I wish there could have been another way for me and my family to know such healing? Yes. I don't know how to account for why it happened as it happened, and I'm certain there's really no good explanation, and if I were given one, it would not suffice. And yet amid the mystery, what I still cannot deny is this. Even when the specifics of our prayers do not going, go according to the way we had planned, God always shows up. In our tears, in our loving, in our healing, God did show up. And that really is the heart of of the promise we have in Scripture today. Jesus assures us in our passage in Matthew that ours is a generous God who absolutely responds to our prayer with good things. And and Jesus' very same teaching as recorded in the Gospel of Luke is even more responsible precise about the nature of that good. In Luke's version, Jesus says plainly that those who ask, God gives the Holy Spirit, which is to say God gives God's very self always and abundantly in response to our prayers. The specific of our, specifics of our prayers And when they are answered as we might like, or if they are answered as we might like, the responses God gives can sometimes surprise us, sometimes in beautiful ways, years down the road. Or sometimes we never see much of what we had so ached for. But always, always God responds to our prayers with God's very self. And with our God, we do not have one who comes from on high to love us, but we have one who rises from the grave below one well acquainted with suffering and injustice and death. The God who comes in our midst is one of deep compassion, who weeps with us 
who gets it. And whose presence assures us that even death will not ultimately win, for he has overcome it. He is with us. We are his, both now and forevermore. We're living in a time where people are asking more and more about where God is at work amidst the fear and the illness and even death. We're living in a time where where people are wondering afresh about how or if God hears us. And then I look around in these recent days at at all of these children cooped up with their parents day after day, making their requests, requests and demands and desires made known with persistence. And I wonder if these children are not a parable unto the church at this time. The kingdom of heaven is like children who are doggedly persistent in their desires, for they trust that their parents can and do, will do something. Whoever would enter my kingdom must become like one of these. May the Spirit free our souls to keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking with fullness and with hope, with words or with no words, with music or with poetry. But one way or another, may the Spirit free us to pray, not because God will respond in just the way we think and in just the timing we think, but simply because God will respond in God's timing and with God's very self. Amen.